We believe you have a story to share. For 2,000 years, humankind has believed in the power of story. In healthcare, we're finding ways to better heal those who are in front of us. Join us as we explore healing stories now. Well, I want to welcome everyone to another edition of Healing Stories and an honor, privilege, and moment to sit with a longtime friend, Wayne Wilson, someone who always brings, no matter whether you're at a coffee, in the lab, in a hospital, or just trying to get uh, to your next appointment, uh, has insight and wisdom. Uh, Wayne, I want to thank you for being on the Healing Stories podcast today. Thank you. Thank you for having me. I feel honored to be here with you today. Wayne, as you do with all of our guests, uh, we ask one simple question, and that is, could you tell us who you are? Who I am? That's a very interesting question. <laughs> I struggled with identity for a while, and now if you had to ask me who I am, I would say a Christian man. That's where I would start with, just because so many things that you identify with can be stripped away from you. And so I would have to begin with a Christian man, and then I would say, my military experience of being a former Navy police officer shaped who I am, stemming into transitioning to a medical laboratory scientist where I run all the tests, look at the blood and urine and fecal matter to see what's going on with the patient to provide the physician with the diagnosis. And so to say who I am, that's the overview in a nutshell career-wise. I would say who I am as a as a person is a man that grew up in a home with a mother who had a mental illness. And so it was a challenge doing and surviving in that particular environment just because it was not much love in that environment. So I had to get it from my grandmother and things of that nature. And so I would say that a man that loves to show other people love because I didn't get it when I was a child. When you're so in this moment, and I'm appreciative of that because what it does is it tells us just how much honesty and vulnerability can generate a sense of our own understanding of our stories. And if it would be all right, could we talk about uh, just some of those levels? I mean, you're really the organicness of healthcare. Uh, even down to the fecal matter. Uh, this is not always uh, the prestigious kind of way of uh, taking a look at someone's pee and poop. Uh, mm. Although I know my son would love to talk in those categories, but there are levels of just how we recognize the fundamentals of our own story and the granularity of that. Um, could you talk a little bit about how you came to understand the importance of just animating what you did uh, and talking about it? Because uh, I think a lot of us have sh struggles of just talking about the reality of our lives. Sure. I believe talking about it is what allowed me to have an escape because I used to hold a lot of things in. And so in my childhood, for instance, going to school was my escape and being able to be in summer preparatory programs in the summer, everyone else was kind of like, oh, I hate being here. And me on the back inside, I was like, I'm so glad I can be here. And as I started to grow older, I realized I was holding a lot of things in. And then when I started having my core group of people who I can discuss the matters with, it allowed me to, to free my mind to not hold things in and to, to be confident who I was in my skin and to brace my curiosity because I'm say, oh, you're a nerd. Yes, I am. I'm very proud of it. I like to, to learn and like to look at things on a macro and micro level to kind of get a better understanding and, and make everyone else's life easier. And as you talk today, you're sitting behind uh, books. 
yes. sitting in front of books. And I know you are a lover of books and you always would bring me different books, uh, different things for us to talk about. Mm-hmm. As you look at that bookcase of life, was there a, a person, was there a, a phrase or something that helped you get through that, uh, that could tell you, hey, go to school and then be who you are? Uh, I think that's important for uh, the listeners to, to know that there are some voices out there that can help us. Mm-hmm. Yes, there's a quote that I, that I love and, and essentially live by. It says that, look it up real quick so I can get it. Knowing others is intelligence. Knowing yourself is true wisdom. Mastering others is strength. And mastering yourself is true power. So being able to look at who you are and be able to have a self-awareness and emotional intelligence, especially with Daniel Goldman, that pretty much got me on the right path of trying to, instead of changing everybody else, changing me first and my approach to addressing whatever problem or solution it is that I'm trying to solve. I imagine that that was the freedom in uh, moving away from what was going on with your mom. Um, how long did that take? Could you tell us a little bit uh, about that process? Because I, 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 that's a very sensitive moment and a big part of, I think, your own story. Sure, sure. It took a very long time, to be honest with you. I had to learn Managing Boundaries is one of those books that I had to read. And when you have a mother with mental illness, for instance, there was times where she tried to stab me one time when I was a child and I moved out of our home. And she then called the cops to get me to come home. And essentially what happened was the cop understood my paradigm and she and again began to get aggressive with the police officer. And so at that point, I started living on my own. But there was everyone in my family saying, that's your mother, that's your mother. And so it was very challenging. But it's hard when your mother says, oh, I should have aborted you or you're not my son because all the love is conditional. And so it was very challenging. And when my grandmother passed away, I think that's when I started to understand I need to focus on my mental health before I can, you know, essentially deal with her on that level. And so I created these boundaries. And so when it was violated, I would have to step away and just kind of understand her and try to show her love from a distance and, and just move forward and give her what she needs and then make sure that I take care of myself. That boundary safety mm-hmm. mechanism to not allow for that to be the sole uh, way of someone else's emotion, right? Uh, and, and I imagine that then within the Navy and, and the places that you've been, those continue to shape you. Uh, yes. But, but the underlying story is, is a real big part of this um, and, and being comfortable to share that. Um, and a lot of us don't know how to do that, right? Right. Lately, I've been learning, one of the things that the Navy taught me is be comfortable being uncomfortable. And I think that really shaped how I see the world. I'm always trying to step outside my boundary, my comfort level, because in order to improve, in order to grow, you constantly have to be courageous and you can't have fear without courageous. You can't be courageous without fear. How, how are you completely fearful with that uh, experience with your mom? How, how, do you, how do you, to with boundaries, yes, but like are there methods or things that, that you were able to say, hey, this is how I get through this? Maybe there were people who, who helped. Mm-hmm. Yes, yes. <laughs> prayer, constant prayer. And 
a lot of people won't understand, but to have someone who you can just vent to that, that helped me journaling and expressing how I feel. Um, there was many tears shed to be honest with you and just learning how to cope with it by local therapy. Like what is the purpose in this? And so, you know, Victor Frankl, man's search for meaning is kind of like, why am I going through this? And I think it, it creates this, this feeling as if, okay, I didn't receive the love from her. That's okay. But I have love from many mothers. So I have many mothers have adopted me essentially. Like at work where I currently work, I have two and I get that other places. And so you would want it to be your biological mom, but I have my stepmother and essentially I just try to lean on them when I need them. Um, and I journal a lot and show my kids a lot of love. <laughs> That's what, that's what you've had yourself surrounded by so many different things, right? Uh, and in other aspects, if people can't give what they don't have, uh, no way. And I bet those moms are pretty uh, proud of you uh, today, too, who, who you're going oh, with. Yes. Oh, yes. And how, how old are your kids now? The kids now are nine and six. Nine and six. And just the other day, my son wrote something and said, my favorite person is my dad. It warmed my heart. <laughs> it, it does, those things are like the bonus round, I feel like, when, when you're able to see how they're thinking of you and responding to you. Right, um, yes. One of, one of the things that's so powerful I find about your life is you really are a lifelong learner. And, mm-hmm. uh, you know, you've mentioned Viktor Frankl. And boy, if there is not uh, one book that I would recommend everybody to read, uh, it was that man's search for meaning. And especially in this time, Wayne, are you seeing that our world is isolating itself more um, in terms of almost this? He's he's writing from the level of a concentration camp. But I mean, uh, how how do you see us coming out of this period of isolation with COVID and the pandemic and and finding meaning in this? How do you find meaning in the pandemic? Essentially, I think in the beginning, everyone was enjoying it because they were having more time with family. And now we have to have a little bit more patience with each other. And so just learning how to to be in a situation and and looking at the best, what we do have, being grateful for what we have. Because a lot of times, you know, we call it first world problems. And so we're like, oh, we have to stay in the house. But at the same time, you know, if we do what we need to do and mask up, we can still get out there and do what we want to do. But I think what's trumping everything is the fact that things are getting shut down which makes it really difficult for people to work and so that causes more stress and so when everyone's in the home trying to figure out how am I going to make it how am I going to feed my family without jobs that makes it even more difficult and then on top of that there's these racial issues that's going on as well that compounds that effect and so it's 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 multi-layered and I think that if we all had the ideology of coming from a loving perspective and try to understand each other's paradigm, I think it would really help. And that goes for husbands and wives and children and just trying to have conversations with each other. I think a lot of people struggle with listening. And if we learn how to listen to each other and really try to understand, I can see that being the the route to getting out of the pandemic, even with Congress listening to each other. Yeah, I mean, this is a fundamental skill of listening that is very hard in our time, especially as I, in my own experience, we're all trying to take care of ourselves. 
and, and how do you allow for the other's voice to come in? I mean, you bring up race and you and I have had years of talks around this and are there levels of listening that we just are not aware of exist right now? Um, that, that might be helpful or ways that you're finding? Um, because I think both sides, both, both ways of, of the consciousness um, need to pra- have a practice of this. So are there practices or methods you've learned over the years of listening? Yes, I think when I hear someone say something, I may respond with my opinion or with what I believe is the truth. And they will respond. And there's this, you know, I, I serve with many police officers and they will break it down in a way that makes very much sense. And we teach each other. For instance, I didn't know there was a difference between Black Lives Matters Incorporated and Black Lives Matter. And so I just assumed, I'm like, hold on, my, this person I serve with is not saying that they like Black Lives Matter Incorporated. And then I'm like, oh, you're associating that, associating that with the Democratic Party, which has often been tied with systemic racism because of uh, the war on poverty. And so I didn't see those two connecting. And so just listening to his perspective uh, made it very intriguing and made us be able to get on the same page. And what I find is, you know, we have that cognitive dissonance. People don't want to be proved wrong. And so they try to, whatever it is, they'll try to mitigate that particular uncomfort, you know, that discomfort. So just being able to say, hey, I care about you too. So what can we do to find non-lethal situations in this, situ- in this particular uh, situation? And what would you do when you're in that situation? Because when we're training in the, in the Navy, you know, you don't want friendly fire. And so you have to have trigger discipline. And what can we do as a society to, one, teach our, our, our youth how to, you know, and interact? Because it's like a combat zone being a police officer every day. But also we have to protect and serve. And so it takes a lot of courage to be able to do that. And there's one thing that I teach my boys is whenever you get pulled over, turn off your light, turn on your lights, you know, make sure that you put your hands on the windshield, have your, your driver license already out because I've seen several videos in, in our training and things of that nature where police officers have been shot many times on the road. So that's one of the most hazardous things to do when you're getting pulled over and they're constantly thinking they want to go home. So if everyone kind of understood that everybody wants to go home, then, you know, we would kind of interact in a different way, I believe. Wayne, it's so We all want to go home, right? I mean, and, and why that is so hard right now. And I, I sit here listening and wonder, will it ever change? Will it ever change that your sons don't have to uh, be fearful and, and have to turn the light on? Or is that what I should teach Simon? And, and my, my Nora, right, is, hey, you get pulled over, you don't know what's going on. And there's so much wrapped up in that emotion, not just you turning the light on. How, do we turn the light on too, right? Right. And I think that you should because the videos was not uh, African-Americans. It was white males that were shooting. And it was the same situation. And I think that we put everyone in the category. Every police officer is perceived as one person, <laughs> essentially. So there are some bad cops, obviously, but there are some that just make bad decisions. There are some that um, were not thinking and they didn't have good trigger control because, you know, one, some may not know how to, how to bots or some may be afraid or whatever it may be. But we put everybody in the same category and say, for this police officer, they're the same as every single one of them. And I think that's one of the issues where we can't just assume that that person is operating on the same premise as everyone else. So we take a step back and then we also look at the larger picture, right? And in this aspect of trigger, 
boy, I tell you, I, I'm trying to learn just as a dad, how do you not uh, have, have reacting all the time? I mean, everything seems to be reacting. What over the years taught you not to just always react? One, taking a breath, <laughs> just taking a breath and, and seeing things in slow motion, slowing down and just trying to be in your situation. I remember getting trained by Navy SEALs and the first thing I would do, I came from a not so good neighborhood. So when I hear shots fired, I would just drop to the ground. And that was like, that's not what you do. You need to look and see where you're being shot, where the fire, shots are fired, where the uh, rounds are coming from. And so you need to be prepared for that particular situation. And for me, I had to slow things down and just train things, repetition, 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 to be able to see what it is that's going on. But to be able to not react, I think every day that I start my day with prayer, I find myself being in a better state of mind. My mind is not as cluttered. I just, and having, being at the ability to meditate helps me focus. It helps me to, one, be in a calm situation. And there'll be a situation, for instance, at work where, somebody's having a bad day and they may just yell at you for no reason. And so instead of getting upset and frustrated, take a step back and I just kind of say, this is not their particular behavior. So what's going on with this person? And I recall that I said, are you okay? And they just broke down and crying because they had a loss of the family. And so people are typically going through things and it's not because of us. We always are thinking that people are directing things to us, but most of the time they're not even thinking about us. There's something going on in their own life. And I think when we can put ourselves in their shoes and have empathy and take a step back as hard as it may be, that'll get us a lot further in life. That's amazing. That's amazing. You know, that the beginning of the day is probably one of the more important parts. And your method is going to dictate the rest of the day. Some people don't like that. Who are the owls in my life too? Because uh, mm -hmm. I forget what the other animal is. I used to know it. Who, who the pe wakes up so super early? But has this always been a part of your method? I mean, when you were growing up as a kid, did you wake up early, um, or did you know that meditation and prayer were a way to set the mind and, and the course uh, to go forward? When did that begin for you? I would say my grandmother instilled that in, my, in me. She would say on her voicemail, please leave a message as we are either in prayer or meditation. And so that was ever since I was born, she has instilled that prayer is in me. And so throughout every situation, being homeless, prayer, and just being happy that I have you know, a place to go shower, a place to go eat, that kind of helped dictate my day, but it really became prevalent after my divorce because um, I may, I let life get ahead of me. And that was one of the hardest things that I have gone through in my life. So we may say, oh, we've gone through all this calamity, but the divorce had to be the hardest. And when I started to seek God every day and pray, and it helped get a lot of things off my chest. It helped me learn who I was, where I could have improved. It helped me and my ex-wife have a good relationship now in resolving the matters. And essentially it started really with, with prayer after read, after divorce and reading Man's Search for Meaning, I would say that's where I really started to put it into practice and really to see the effects over the years. And I start to learn more and more. It doesn't have to be, as uh, Mary Oliver says, uh, blue iris. It can be weeds in a vacant lot. And I'm sure I messed yes. up her thing. And, mm -hmm. and those of us who are just trying to find, can I see the weeds in the vacant lot rather than making it this tremendous bouquet 
that's mm-hmm. encouragement. I mean, your life story and the healing that's taken place, it sounds as if this, it's not, it's not as um, complex if we look at the beginnings of the simplicity of meditation. Yes, yes. I think as well as whatever you're going through, people would say at work, oh, this is, this is going wrong, this is going, this is going wrong, and me, I'm smiling, like, you know, I'm finding joy in everything. We're going to figure it out. We're going we're gonna to get through this. And I think just having that mentality that I have this faith that like I walk with faith every day and I feel confident that he's going to have my back through whatever. So I typically feel like I have God like right there with me. He's right behind me and pushing me forward. So I, I don't really have this reason to, to, to stress out. Like, what's the point? You know, like Paul would say, find joy in in whatever situation you're going through and you're trying to contribute to the kingdom. So however I can contribute to the kingdom, whether you're having a bad day, whether I'm having a bad day, we can try to figure it out together. And I seek him first. And typically, you know, it makes things a lot easier. And then we end up getting through that situation. Mm -hmm. Those who are listening won't be able maybe to see your t-shirt. Could you explain a little bit about it? It kind of says exactly what you're saying to me in my heart today. Yes, yes. Praise him anyway. So what that means is despite whatever circumstances that we're going through, we're going to still praise him and find joy in him because look at what you do have. I have two beautiful boys. I'm still breathing. I'm not on a ventilator. Some people who are on a ventilator, they're in peace um, and they're not in pain. Hopefully is the the situation, but we can seek God throughout anything that we're going through. it, It makes the circumstances a lot better. We've been having many listeners reach out to us and let that uh, they, they've been talking about these stories and how they give them hope. And there is this kind of spirituality of light and way of moving through the darkness. And, and Wayne, you give us that today. And we had talked a little bit about uh, Joseph Michael Levery, who uh, is kind of coming up with this method of not reacting, of meditating, of trying in some ways to use sound. And I wonder... Have the has that ever come to you as well in terms of this method of working with sound, working with the breath I, in meditation? If you have a specific practice that that we might be helped by your practice, yes, breathing, taking deep breaths. So I take five deep breaths a lot of times, and I just kind of deep briefly. I even tell my ex-wife that when she stresses out because the school got closed down because of COVID. What do you do? Take a deep breath. That's the first thing I say. Let's breathe. Let's process everything. It comes in slowly, and then we can go through and see what are the pros and cons, and what are our situations. Who can we reach out to? So before I say anything to her, I just would tell her to breathe. <laughs> Second thing is I love music, and I constantly play music, and that kind of just makes my day a lot better. Sometimes in the morning, me and my boys will listen to a song called I Love God <laughs> and we'll have dance parties. And so that starts our day off. And I think in certain situations when I get stressed, if I just put on a song, it puts me in a different frame of mind where I'm able to just sit back and say, okay, it's not as bad. Let me remember who's in control. Mm-hmm. And this is beautiful because we know research is now helping, especially with cancer patients in their healing around sounds and sound therapy. And we've had some guests on the show talk a little bit about that. And I know uh, this lovery is is a big part of thinking through research components. And I know even within, I believe in the military, as you have gone through this, that just the post-traumatic stress disorder can be helped by what, what's our playlist? 
Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and you're expressing that today that it helps you to dance, doesn't it? Yes, it does. <laughs> Definitely does. If, if people wanted to get a hold of you, Wayne, or if they just said, boy, my, my story feels like yours, how would they do that? How could they kind of become a companion to you? Sure. I'm available on LinkedIn. So they can always look at my Facebook as well. So Wayne Wilson and my LinkedIn, it's Wayne Wilson dash quality is where they can find me is where I'm typically are. They can also look me up on Instagram under Wayne Wilson, Wayne underscore Wilson. And that's W-I-L-S-O-N. Wayne, I imagine that those uh, moms who are at your work are going to listen to this. And yes. I hope that they will uh, send us their good regards. And I just want you to know how much I love and care for you. And your beauty continues to make this world a brighter place. So thank you, Wayne. Me too. Thank you. Thank you. Time heals all wounds. Join us for our next episode of Healing Stories. Healing Stories.